Uh, grab your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I need to preach because I'm a pastor, but I'm going to preach fast, everybody. So I'm going to preach fast, and I need you to listen fast. And if I preach fast and you listen fast, we're going to be all right. Amen? But Ephesians chapter 4, I want to talk about now the church of Ephesus. So Ephesians was like one of, I think, seven churches um, and kind of in a group that Paul, you know, worked with. He started, he, he went to Ephesus on his second missionary journey. That's kind of the origins of the church of Ephesus. So he's kind of the spiritual father of the Ephesians. And when he writes the letter to the Ephesians, he's actually in prison in Rome about 60 AD. Um, and he writes to the Ephesians, and Ephesians is kind of is six chapters, but it's kind of broken into kind of, if you think about it, con, content and conduct, if you will, kind of like doctrine, what it, the doctrine is and what our duty is based on the doctrine. So it's a good dividing. So in chapter one, he's talking about our spiritual blessings. Chapter two, he's talking about unity. Chapter three um, is, is really this amazing prayer that he prays. In fact, I pray a prayer, a part of chapter three, I pray over you all the time that the eyes of your heart be enlightened that you know the hope of your calling, what is the, the um, richness of the inheritance you have in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of the power of God towards those who believe. I actually pray that over you every day uh, because it's such a great prayer. And he talks about provision. And then when we get to Ephesians 4, now we're talking about our conduct. In other words, what we do, our duty uh, as believers and followers of Jesus. And so we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, and, uh, and then we're, we're going to work this out together. Ephesians 4, verse 11, everybody. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. So time out. Who are the saints? You are the saints. If you are saved, the Bible calls you a saint. Amen? Listen to me, guys. Today, if you mess up, you don't get your dirty clothes in the laundry. You leave your underwear on the floor. Your wife gets upset. You remind her you're a saint. And we'll see how that goes. And so anyways, <laughs> she's like, you'll be a patron saint, you'll be a dead saint. Um, anyways, <laughs> and what do the saints do? Look at this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, everybody. Who's supposed to do the ministry? The saints. Isn't that awesome? So your job is not to watch me do the ministry. My job is actually to help you do the ministry. Do you see that? Are you with me? And he says this, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all obtain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature man to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, if we're making a comparison about our own growth, our own spiritual maturity, we're not supposed to compare ourselves to our neighbors who are mowing their lawns this morning or whatever they're doing. We're supposed to compare ourselves to Christ. Like if I want to know how I'm doing, I'll have to look at Jesus. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love. Come on, somebody. They do not care about your truth until they understand about your love, right? Until they can feel your love, they can't hear your truth. Just trying to help you on Instagram today. Rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up into every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped... When each part is working properly, one, one version says, when each part does its share. It's a great question today. Are you doing your share? Are you doing your share as it pertains to the body of Christ? When each part is doing its share, it makes the whole body grow so it builds itself up in love. 
Come on, let's pray. God, we have to move fast today, kind of like smoking the bandit. We've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So Holy Spirit, we need your help. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. When Paul gets to Ephesians chapter 4, I told you chapter 1, spiritual blessings, 2, unity, 3, uh, prayer and provision, 4, he's talking about the church. He's talking about how Jesus builds the church, but he's also talking about how the church builds us. He's talking about how Jesus builds the church and how the church builds us. He's saying, hey, he appoints pastors and spiritual leaders because we need those. You, you have to have a pastor. You have to have spiritual leaders. I have pastors. I have spiritual leaders. Even though I am a pastor, uh, no one does this alone. And he's saying that you have to have spiritual oversight. You have to have spiritual leaders. You have to have people teaching you the, the Word of God. That's, that's something you have to have if you're going to be built up. So not only do you have to have those pastors and leaders, but you have to have people. What he's saying is that essentially, let me put it this way. Here's an analogy, if you will. When you see a turtle on top of fence posts, how many know it didn't get there by itself? What he's saying is for, for, for the church to be, for the individuals, for us to be, everything God called us to be, that, that we, we actually have to have each other. In fact, while I love online, if you're watching online, good morning, I love you, I'm so glad you're there. The truth of the matter is, when people say, well, we did church online, I would say you actually, from a New Testament perspective, you can't. Now, I believe in it. We're going to have it. Thank God it's there. Online church is for when someone's sick, when we're out of town, when we can't get here, whatever the case may be. But according to the New Testament, see, this is something that I think COVID revealed is that we, we've lost our understanding of what church is about, and we've lost our understanding of the need for discipleship. And I say that globally, universally, not, not just pathway, but I'm only responsible here. So to me, I'm like, I want us to understand what church is about, and I want us to understand about discipleship. That's why when Pastor Mark's talking about CORE kicking off next week, let me tell you who should sign up for CORE. Anyone who is breathing. Because right now there are people like, I don't know, should we go? Here's my question. I don't know. Are you breathing? Because it's going to help you with your understanding and perspective of how to connect to God. That's what CORE is about. And then later we offer Live Free, and then later we offer Financially Blessed. And so all of those help you in discipleship. They help you grow. And so when Paul's talking here in Ephesians 4, he's like, hey, this is how we build a church, and this is how the church builds us. And according to the New Testament, there are so many things the New Testament tells us to do that we can't do by ourselves. So for that, we have to gather. And just like the, the, the first century church, if you will, the primitive church, not only did they gather in temples or synagogues or whatever, they also gathered in houses. They went from house to house, fellowshipping and being together. In other words, they had life groups. People was like, well, they didn't have life groups in the early church. Read Acts chapter 2. Really? That's where the whole premise comes from. And so to me today, I want all of our church in a life group. And I want, it in, and want you in a life group. Here's the whole message in a sentence. Here's why. Because you won't reach your potential by yourself. You won't reach your potential by yourself. So looking at Ephesians 4, when we talk about life groups, there's three things we talk about on reasons why we need to be in life groups from the Bible. That we can take them all from Ephesians 4. I'll show you. Number one, write this down. Number one is it's a place to connect. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and held together joined and held together. Here is the truth, right? Here's the truth. You were created for connection. 
You were created for connection. How do we know? Well, when you look at the, uh, the creation account in Genesis, if you, if you think about it, everything God created, he said, and he saw that it was good. Like he created the light, you know, he saw that it was good, and the stars saw that it was good, and the animals, it was good, and the vegetation, it was good. But there's one thing God looked at and said, this isn't good. It said, when he saw man and that he was alone, God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And so God made Eve. And God didn't make Eve because Adam needed sex somebody. God didn't need Eve because, you know, Adam needed somebody to cook the wildebeest, to barbecue it for him or something like that. That's not why God made Eve. What God saw was, Adam, you won't reach your potential by yourself. And so God gave him a person who was like him, who was a helper to him. And this is what God said. God said, now Eve will help Adam reach his potential and Adam will help Eve reach her potential. Guys, let me just give you marriage tip 101. Like this is a great marriage tip. If you will enter into it, husbands, and you think, how can I help my wife reach her potential? And wives, if you will look at it and say, how can I help my husband reach his potential? It's going to help you build a stronger, healthy relationship that's built on purpose, right? And it makes some of those little nuances and things maybe slip into the background because you'll realize, no, we are here to help one another and spur one another on and help each other be successful. And that's exactly what, what God said is, hey, you can't reach potential alone. Adam and Eve can't reach your potential alone. In fact, a fun word study in your Bible, if you have a concordance, look up the phrase one another. One another, everybody. And when you look up that phrase, one another, you're going to see things like that we are members of one another, that we love one another, that we serve one another, that we care for one another, that we admonish one another, that we spur on one another, that we bear one another's burdens. You're going to find all that in your New Testament because here's what the New Testament assumes, that for, for the church to be built and for the church to build you, you have to be connected. You have to be connected. And if you're not connected, you can't be built up. And if you're not connected, the church can't be built. Let me just say this. If you're not connected, you're missing out and the church is missing something. That's how it works. If you're not connected, you're missing out. But if you're not connected, the church is missing something because you can't fulfill your purpose alone. Now, we say things like you can't do life alone, and that's really not true because people would obviously disprove that every day. You can do life alone, but let me say it another way. You can't do life well alone. You can't do life well alone because of all the reasons I just said. We, we, were, we were created to be connected. So what do groups give us? It gives us a place to connect. Here's number two. It gives us a place to protect. Here's what Paul said. He actually lists categorically three, three areas of protection that we need that are, that are satisfied or provided for by being connected to the church. In verse 14, he says, so we'll no longer be children tossed to and fro, to and fro by the waves. And look at this carried about by every, number one, wind of doctrine, by number two, human cunning, and by number three, the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Here's what he said. He said, Ephesians, listen to me. I love you guys. You're my church. You're my people. You're my homeboys, however you want to put it, right? You're my ride or dies. I love y'all, but here's what I know. Out in this world, first of all, there's a lot of winds of doctrine. There's some human cunning, and there's some deceitfulness. And he said, the way you stay protected against those things is you stay connected. Here's what Paul said. If you're not connected, you're not protected. 
If you're not connected, you're not protected. Because he said, there's a lot of wind of doctrine. I don't know if you've been on TikTok lately, but there's a lot of wind. There's a lot of hot air blowing on TikTok as far as theology is concerned, everybody. I, 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 people will send me videos. They'll show me videos. And I'm like, I can't even believe that, that, that anybody would actually believe this but the people are so, uh, the, the way they talk about God's intent and God's design and, and different things and the Word of God, and, you know, they'll say, well, there's all these errors in the Word of God. Yes, that, it is true. They're, you know, in the original Greek manuscripts, if you lay them all side by side, there are errors, but they were all copied by hand, and they're all, none of the errors changed the context, right? And we also have more copies of the New Testament than any other work in antiquity, and we can rebuild the entire New Testament with accuracy by re- using writings. It was quoted so much and written about so much, we can actually construct the whole Greek New Testament within three words from other documents outside of the Bible. So yes, someone put a colon where there wasn't supposed to be a colon, but it didn't change the message of the New Testament. But someone will hear, well, there's 100,000 errors in, in the Greek New Testament with all the different transcriptions and writings. And they'll say, see, how could we even trust it? And I'm like, okay, first of all, you know just enough to be stupid. And now here comes the wind blowing. And as a pastor, I'll get people, I'm not sure that I can believe the Bible anymore because there's all these errors, you know? And then there was this TikTok that came out. In fact, Joe Rogan, I'll talk about this one in the next series that I'm doing because I'm doing a series on the Bible and how to study the Bible. But Joe Rogan talked about how Constantine gave us the New Testament. And I'm like, I... That's not what happened at all. At the Council of Nicaea, Constantine just decided what the books of the New Testament would be. And I'm like, that's not even at all how that happened. And the Council of Nicaea had nothing to do with the books of the New Testament. It had to do with the deity and the humanity of Christ and a schism over some heretics. Anyways, never mind. The point is... The point is, that's not even true in church history, but people get on TikTok and then Christians are like, I just don't know if I can trust the Bible anymore. And so why do we need to gather? Why do we need teachers? Why do we need to be in a life group? Because there's a lot of winds of doctrine. And if you've been in church a long time, there's a, there's a new wind every day, right? And then he says this, against human cunning, in other words, wrong influences, right? Sometimes we have people in our lives that will lead us astray, whether they intend to or not. I always say this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? Because we're always the product of our closest relationships. And, and not only that, when we talk about human cunning, you know, because um, sometimes we trick ourselves. How many have ever had an emotional situation? And you ran away with your emotions, right? And sometimes we trick ourselves. And so why do we need to be protected? Why do we need to be connected? Because we need to be protected. And, and he said, hey, when we're connected, we have a group to talk to about winds of doctrine. We have pastors and teachers and leaders. And when we're connected, we have a group to help us with the, who's influencing our life. And then he said, then there's de- deception. Like how many know we can, you can be deceived, You can believe something that's false. You can believe, well, God doesn't care about me or God doesn't really want us to us anymore. This is what God thinks about relationships now or this is that. And there's all this deception that goes on in the world. And here's what we know. The enemy is a deceiver. He is trying to deceive us. That was the first thing he did with Adam and Eve. He deceived them. I never forget, I was counseling, talking with a man one time and he was in deception. Uh, It was very obvious. And I sat down with him and I said, sir, listen to me, sir, you're deceived. 
and I'm trying to show him from the Word of God why he's deceived. And he said, you listen to me. If I was deceived, I would know it. <laughs> I'm not sure. Then I realized we don't have a theological issue. We don't need the Bible. We need Webster's because you don't know what deceive means. <laughs> because if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's, that's how you're deceived, Right? But he's saying, hey, we need, listen, if we're connected, we're protected, and we're protected from all of these ways the enemy works, right? Sometimes we're even protected from ourselves. Have you ever watched National Geographic, everybody? You ever watched National Geographic? Have you ever watched when the lion, when the lion eats the antelope, when they catch the antelope? Have you ever seen that? It's pretty gnarly, right? Have you ever noticed which antelope always gets eaten? It's always the one that was by itself, right? It was isolated, and then it became dinner. The Bible says Satan is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Well, who can he devour? The one that's not connected. Do you know why we have life group kickoff like we're doing today? Because if you're out here and you're kind of isolated, you're kind of doing life alone, and, and, and the light, you kind of hear the purr of the lion, you know what I'm saying? Then this is a great time for you to be like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. And you just start walk, walking by all the antelope and all the sheep. And, you know, because here's what I know the guy in the middle of the herd never gets eaten. Never, they don't ever get to him. They, if nothing else, they'll get full before they get to him, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? You got to get to the middle. If you want to be protected, you got to be connected. Here's number three. So a place to connect, a place to protect, and then a place to grow. It said this, so we'll no longer be children, meaning God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to mature spiritually. Ephesians 4.16, we read this, but from the, whom the whole body is joined and held together with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, and we said one verse that each part does its share, it makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. When each part does its share, it makes the body grow. So, so what is God's goal? Well, he said God's goal is that he wants us equipped for ministry. So God's goal is ministry. How does ministry come? He said, well, we've got to come to unity of the faith and maturity. So, so what do we do when we gather? Well, we find unity, right? Not uniformity, but unity, right? And then we find maturity as we grow together. In fact, one of the ways that we grow is in relationships. And that's really what we see in Ephesians 4. Peter talks about it too. But the way that we grow is in relationships. How many know this? People bring out the best in us sometimes. They encourage us. They spur us on. This is why many times when you work out, you have a workout partner but, or you have a trainer, right? We have several trainers in our church. I see them at the gym. And, and one of the reasons that you have trainers is why? Because they can help get the best. You, you, your workout wouldn't be as good. But they're there encouraging you, spurring you on, saying you can get one more rep. You can do, you know, you can you can do this one more time. Hey, don't stop now. We're almost finished. And sometimes that's how people bring out the best in us. They see us in a different way. They encourage us, right? And they strengthen us and build us up on the inside. And that's exactly what happens in relationships. But how many know also sometimes people bring out what? The worst in us when they cut us off. Jen and I were driving the other day, and this car cut me off. And I had an opportunity right then to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. 
And I want you to know I passed and I was proud. But for a minute, I had some other thoughts. Before I blessed them, I had other words that came to my mind. But sometimes people bring out the worst in us. You know but what I found in my life? You know what? Sometimes that's good. Do you know it? Sometimes it's good when people disagree with us. I know in our culture, if they disagree with you, they hate you. That's what's wrong with our culture. Do you know what that, you know the concern there? If no one can disagree with you, you're stuck in immaturity. Because mature people can disagree and still have unity. Mature people can disagree and still be friends. They can still talk. And, they, and, and mature people can accept a point of view that's different from theirs. And so sometimes we need people who can disagree with us. We need people, listen, we need people to bring out the worst in us because sometimes until someone brings it out, we didn't know it was there. And I've been in situations personally where somebody did something and what they did was wrong, but what it brought out of me was worse. And when it brought it out, I said, dear Lord, I didn't know that was in me. And, and before I talk to them, I need to deal with me because that was bad. That was bad. And so we need, you know, come on, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How many know iron sharpens through friction, everybody? Sometimes we need a little friction if we're going to be sharpened. We need people around us who can disagree. We need people who can speak the truth in love. In a culture where anyone disagreeing with you is somehow wrong, my question is, who are the truth speakers in your life? Who are the people in your life who can disagree with you? Who are the people in your life who can confront you if they see something that doesn't look right? If they see something that could potentially be damaging to you or to a relationship, do you have those people? Because that's why we get in a life group. Those people help us grow. Well, Pastor, I just can't be in a life group because I may not like everybody. Judas was in Jesus' life group. And so unless you're in a life group with someone that's going to sell you to crucifixion for 30 pieces of silver, I think you're doing all right. But life groups provide a place for us to connect, a place for us to protect, and a place for us to grow. That's why we do them. So that the church is built and you are built. It's how God works. Amen. So I want you to stand with me today. And, um, and I'm going to pray. And uh, after I pray, uh, the worship team's coming, and so I'm going to pray, and then I want you, if you need a minute to fill out your card, you forgot your card, you need a minute to confer with your spouse, that's fine. I've had people say, well, Pastor, can I bring my card to the office? Yes, you can bring it to the office. You know, can I mail it in? Yes, you can mail it in. You know, can I bring, you know, whatever. Yes, obviously you can send it whenever. We would love for you to send it if, you, if you're not able to do it today. But if you're ready for today, then... When we pray, I'm going to pray, and technically that's our point of dismissal. And then I want you to come when you're ready and bring your, your commitment card and leave it at the front and then go straight to get your kids and then go straight to 109. There's activities for kids. There's food. And I want you to find your life group. Let's find that place to connect, protect, and grow today. Amen. God, we just thank you so much for your grace, God, for your love, for your mercy. God, for days like today, God, that, that not only are an incredible day in our church, but they're a credible day in our lives as we trust you in new ways, as we step out in new ways, as we find our, our group, our people, our circle. God, I just pray 
that today you would speak to us about what our share is, what our part is, and then God lead us to the right group because God, we're ready to grow. We're ready to move forward. We wanna connect, protect, and grow. God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness to us, Lord. I just pray, God, everything given would be blessed and multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold. And God, that it would meet the need. As we do our part, God, we know you will do yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.